0: Hello, and welcome to another installment of Desk Side Talks with Mark, the off-week podcast that we do when there's nothing else to do on the off-weeks between the main podcast. Uh, it's basically just me sitting here talking, so if you don't like that, I apologize, but I think they've gone over pretty well so far. Today, I'm going to be talking about a fairly serious issue I learned about in the last week uh, within the world of board game reviewers. I apologize in advance if I get a little bit upset. Because it's upsetting to me, and I apologize in advance also if you don't understand why it's upsetting. But I think this is something that needs to be talked about, and I figure I'll be the one to talk about it. Before we get into serious mode, though, I would like to point out that if you're in the Boston area and want to play games with me, Orion, Matt, and uh, the other people from the Thoughtful Gamer podcast... We will be at Night Moves tomorrow evening, starting at about 6.30 in Somerville. So that's the Night Moves in Somerville, not the one in... Where's the other one? In Brighton, maybe? I don't remember. One up in Somerville, and we're just going to be playing some games. I'm going to read some rule books later today to try to pre-learn a couple of games that we've been interested in playing, but we're up for anything, and we'll see if uh, if anyone shows up to play with us. If not, we'll still have a good time. I think I'm going to do... A Meetup like this maybe once a month. I'm not sure. We'll do it every couple of weeks or every few weeks at a minimum But I'm not sure what I'm gonna do. I would like to meet some of the fans of the thoughtful gamer in the area uh, I think that'd be really fun and uh, Play some games with them. Maybe sometimes we will be at night moves uh, Sometimes I might be here at the apartment. We've got a pretty decently sized apartment here It can host people plus I like to cook for people So maybe I think I still want to do some kind of big uh, thoughtful gamer game day on a Saturday or something here at the apartment make a bunch of hors d'oeuvres. And we have two large tables we can play large games on and a third coffee table we can play something small on. So I, I have the ability to host a decent number of people. And I know there are fans in the area. It's just a matter of uh, organizing it and hoping people show up. But anyway, if you're in the area tomorrow, nothing to do tomorrow night. Come up to Somerville tonight, Moves and I will see you there. I think it'll be really fun. But now let's get uh, a little bit more serious. I learned about this last week on Twitter, where uh, I can't remember his name, but the guy behind uh, Meeple Like Us, or Meeple's Like Us, I think, the accessibility website, which is excellent if you haven't been to it. Uh, Google it. I think it's a .uk website. But he goes through, he does reviews, but he also mostly goes through and does accessibility breakdowns of different games. So how good they are for people with colorblindness or with other visual impairments or or physical impairments. It goes through everything you can possibly think of for for a whole bunch of games. So it's a really valuable service and done excellently. I highly recommend that site, particularly if you are colorblind or or something like that and uh, want to know information about these games. I think it's basically the only the only resource out there of this kind, and I'm glad it's done really well like that. Anyway, I learned from Twitter, uh, from the guy who runs that, that, first of all, that there's apparently a board game reviewers Facebook group, which I wasn't aware of because I'm horrible at navigating social media, but also that there was a discussion on there of how much people should charge, or how much people are charging for reviews. And that piqued my interest because immediately, because... I'm like, wait a minute, people are charging for reviews? And I don't mean, like, advertisement or doing, like, the Dice Tower does, like a Kickstarter for, you know, the people who consume the reviews or consume, you know, watch the videos. But actually charging from the creators, the publishers, to do reviews. And immediately alarm bells went off in my mind because I'm like, wait a minute, that's just wrong. You can't do that. That's... First of all, just a horrible violation of standard journalistic ethics, but also just a conflict of interest. Like, it's an inherent conflict of interest that makes the entire review impartial. So that's what I'm going to be talking about. And I looked up, I, I got myself into this this Facebook group, and which I guess is the bright side of all of this, is that I now have a bit more connections on social media. Again, I'm horrible at this, and it really annoys me. But I saw the discussion, and I want to go over a lot of the talking points on that discussion. It was a pretty long Facebook comment, you know, post. It remained very civil and it was good. You know, as as you find in most board game circles, people are very friendly and not, you know, they're not horrible people. I think in this case they're misguided. And one thing I'm going to say up front is that I'm not going to talk about any particular people or websites here. First of all, because I don't want I, w- I want the arguments and what I'm saying to stand on their own, and I don't want any names to be dragged into this. And also because I just don't know enough information. I don't know who is necessarily charging for for criticism, um, for reviews. Um, I heard some names in the discussion, but I, I haven't verified them, and I'm not going to Call someone's name out unless I'm 100% certain, and even then, I don't know if I'm going to call names. I don't know if that's my place or if it's the place of the people who are gaining from or who are who are consumers of their reviews uh, to call that out. Anyway, I want to sidestep that entirely, mostly because I want the arguments to stand on their own. And I think this is an, this is an incredibly important thing, particularly in the internet age where we tie argumentation to the person so much that it becomes harmful. Like you've seen internet discussions that just devolve into ad hominem attacks all the time. And I think it's incredibly important for us to practice the the skill of being able to look at arguments themselves rather than look at them Uh, in relation to the person or, or exclusively look at the person making those arguments. I think the arguments, once they exist, they do exist within the context of the person saying them, and that can help us understand the argument, but it doesn't change the argument. The argument itself exists the same regardless of who said it. In other words, the person who says the argumentation may lend us some contextual help in understanding the argument but the argument has existed or the argument exists the same way regardless of your knowledge of the person who says it it's just whether or not you're interpreting it correctly and i think my argumentation here can be interpreted clearly i hope and so i'm not going to drag any names to it let's start with some kind of baseline clarification of what i'm going to be talking about here when i hear that people are charging for reviews. What I'm talking about is people who are charging publishers or creators of the game to do a critical piece on that game. When I say critical, I don't mean negative. I mean, I mean critical, like they're, they're examining the merits of the game. What I am not talking about is previews, like just showing what the game looks like and explaining the kind of the general concepts behind the game or a bit of the rules. That's perfectly fine to charge for. That's just doing an advertisement for the person. You're not acting as a critic, you're acting as an advertiser. That's perfectly fine. If I get the opportunity to do that kind of thing, I'll probably do that in the future. I'm not talking about how to play videos. Again, that's a service to the publisher. You're working on the publisher's behalf and that's perfectly fine because your, your interests there are aligned with the people buying the game. Both you, the publisher, and the people potentially buying the game want you to do a very excellent job in explaining the rules or previewing the game. I'm not talking about unboxing or any kind of overview or non-critical content what i'm talking about is specifically reviews. when i say reviews that can mean a lot of different things to people. when i say reviews i'm talking specifically about a piece of criticism. i'm talking about presenting your opinions on the game, your thoughts on the game and evaluating the merits of the game and whether or not someone should buy it. and the reason i think there needs to be a distinction there is because the interests of the publisher, you and the creator do not ne- or and the consumer do not necessarily align the publisher wants to sell games the consumer wants to know that they're buying a good game or or they want to get a game that they'll like and your interests are in part determined by who's paying you for this and i think this is the the fundamental problem so that's what i'm talking about reviews specifically i'm also going to say that it it seems to be a kind of social cultural standard that Providing review copies from the publisher to the critic is an acceptable thing. It happens with uh, with film critics, where they're getting they're they're given many times uh, access to the movie before it's released. It happens to book critics. That's considered acceptable. I've researched a bit of journalistic ethics standards, and that seems to be an acceptable. You know, you can call it payment if you want, but that seems to be acceptable and understood. And part of this is is the expectations of the of the consumers. They they might expect that you may have been given a review copy. So we're talking about review specifically and I'm gonna talk about payment outside of review copies. Now, I looked through the, the discussion on the Facebook group and there was some interesting argumentation for charging for reviews from the, from the publisher or creator. And first of all, the, the weird thing about this is that at first the discussion, everyone seems like it's a normal thing, like it didn't even, it, it seemed to not even register that this could be something controversial. But here are some of the arguments that were given for doing this. The first one is that basically that people who do YouTube videos or do written content on board games are underpaid, they should be paid, they deserve to be paid. And in general, this is a fine sentiment. I would love to be paid for what I do. I intend to, in the future, get some kind of payment, probably through Patreon, for for the thoughtful gamer. Right now, I'm fortunate enough that I don't necessarily need that, but I'm working towards that. Um, And it's a fine sentiment to say, okay, these people are doing a valuable thing. Uh, They deserve to get some money, great. But the entire point here is that the issue is that the source of the payment is the problem, not the amount or the fact that they are getting paid, right? Because the reviewer, the critic, is doing a service to the consumer. The moment they take money from the publisher, they are now implying that they're doing a service to the publisher, which in this case is at odds with the consumer if the game is bad. Obviously, if the game's good and the reviewer says the game's good and the consumer thinks the game's good, it happens that their interests have aligned. But it's not necessarily so. And that's the point. The point is that the source of the payment is the problem, not the fact that they are or are not getting paid. That's why you see what I thought most people were doing in terms of reviewers were they were getting paid by the consumer through Kickstarters or Indiegogo or Patreon, etc. Or advertisements. So I'm not arguing that reviewers shouldn't be paid. I'm arguing that they should be paid from the consumer so that the interests in terms of uh, conflict of interest and all that, the interests align between them and consumers because that's who they're supposedly serving. The second one, which drove me nuts, the second argument that I saw is that, hey, impartiality doesn't exist anyway, so we might as well not care about it. First of all, I think that's an incredibly cynical way to live your life to just say, well, there's no impartiality, so do whatever you want. And I'm known as a pretty cynical person, and even that's over the line for me. But the implication in that argument is that, okay, everyone has their own board game preferences and their own board game tastes, so it doesn't matter if we enter money into the equation. But I think there's a very hard distinction between personal tastes and outside monetary influence. Obviously, the impartiality does exist in that, for instance, I am pretty hard pressed to find a small party game where I take that card game that I like, but I tend to like bigger, more thematic games. That's fine. But that's something that I've expressed and people know about. That's taste. The issue is that not that people are like objective reviewing robots. The issue is that when you bring money into the equation from the publisher, that there is an inherent incentive there to mask your real feelings about the game. This is why we don't let players bet on baseball or why we don't elect judges. We we traditionally, why reviewers don't get paid by the creators of the content to review things, right? Because in our society, and I think for good reason, we very strongly consider monetary conflicts of interest because it's just disaligned with with, the, with, where, with where the incentives should be aligned. And I think money plays a big part in that. The third argument that I saw is that, well, basically what'll happen is that the reviewer will negotiate, um, oh, I'll do a, a review for X amount of money, and they get the game, they play it, they hate the game, and then they'll go back to the publisher and say, hey, I don't really like this game, um, can I just do a preview instead? And so they'll renegotiate a preview if they don't like the game. Well, first of all, I guess that's good in that they're not flat out lying to people with a review that is just not what they actually think. But I think it's nearly as dishonest because if you agreed to review the game, you're doing a discredit to your audience by not actually reviewing it. You're deliberately withholding information at their expense because of monetary payment. It's changing the way you address your audience and the way that you treat the people who you're supposed to be helping, right? Remember, your, your role as a reviewer, as a critic, is to assist your audience. And if you're deliberately withholding information because of monetary payment, I don't see how you're assisting your audience. It's a little bit less dishonest, but I think it's still dishonest. The fourth one is that basically there's it's not enough money. Oh, it's just a board game review. There's not enough money being thrown around. Why does it matter? First of all, board games are a huge industry. Right? The amount of money being discussed in this thread wasn't necessarily a huge amount of money. It was enough that if I got that much money, it would pay off basically the expenses I've spent for the thoughtful gamer for a couple of mics and the, you know, year domain name Stuff you, you know, it was it wasn't a ton of money, but it's a fairly significant amount of money. Um, but board games themselves are a huge industry, so to the publisher, right, that's a big deal. And what I'm arguing is that it's the principle of the matter that matters. It's not the amount of money. The amount of money is irrelevant. It's the principle of not creating a conflict of interest with yourself uh, against the people you're trying to serve with your reviews. And to me, the, the amount of money doesn't matter at all. Other people brought up examples of other, like, pay-for-good coverage services, like Yelp, which uh, it's been widely published that basically they extort businesses to... to get rid of bad reviews. So in other words, they'll call up businesses and say, hey, you have a bad review here, but if you pay our exclusive membership fee, we can make it disappear. Or the Better Business Bureau, which does something similar to that to get A-plus ratings. First of all, I would say that when like the Yelp story came out, there was a ton of outrage about it. So people obviously don't like this kind of model. And that should tell us something about what we do, specifically as critics. And secondly, that's not something that's standard in criticism of artistic media. You you know, if something like that came out in, in video games or books or movies, there would be outrage about it. And that's why it's puzzling me why there isn't more outrage about it happening in board games. I'm thinking it's just because people didn't know about it. I didn't know about it. And I'm hoping this helps people understand what might be going on and be a bit more critical of what kind of reviews and uh, people they're, they're they're paying attention to for their board game recommendations the next argument I saw was that basically the culture has changed that pre YouTube it was different but now uh, reviewing itself is a creative endeavor and it's not actual criticism it's like a piece of it's it's like the the stupid uh, Alex Jones story that came out where he was arguing in his divorce that he's not legit he's just a He's just an entertainer putting on and like playing a character. And that's basically what they're seeing reviewers are now, that they are putting on a character. And I would admit that, that maybe in some cases people think of themselves that way, but I don't think the consumers are necessarily looking at a review of a board game and saying, aha, that's a great bit of character there from that character, you know, acting for us for, for entertainment. Um, it completely takes away... It's basically saying that there's no criticism at all, that it's just all an act. And I don't want to live in that world, and I don't think we're necessarily in that world, but I think it might be heading that direction, and I want to stand against that. I think a lot of people listening to this and a lot of people who play board games would agree. It's the entire uh, Neil Postman-Orwell versus Huxley debate happening all over again, right? Uh, Neil Postman argued in his book Entertaining Ourselves to Death, which is by the way, one of the most important books I've ever read, that uh, a lot of people thought that George Orwell was correct, that basically there'd be a totalitarian force that would take away our freedoms through might and power and brainwashing. And then Huxley in Brave New World uh, essentially argued that no, it wasn't gonna happen top down, it was gonna happen bottom up because we just become obsessed with entertainment and hedonistic pleasures and we would do it entirely to ourselves. And Postman argues that Huxley was right there, and I think he's correct, and I think we are heading that way, and that kind of the YouTube era is kind of pointing that direction. But I think we should push against this. We shouldn't just accept that it's happening, that everything is now becoming entertainment. We should push back against this and say, hey, we want actual reviews of board games rather than reviews disguised as advertisements or excuse me, advertisements disguised as reviews. And then the final argument I saw was basically that everyone knows this is happening. Uh, Everyone knows that, that reviewers, especially on YouTube, are just part of the marketing cycle for publishers, and they're not the critical thought pieces, and that's fine. And I think a lot of people would be shocked to hear that. Um, and if it's so obvious and people all know about it, why not put disclaimers all over the place? I see very few disclaimers about monetary payment in, in board game stuff. Um, and if it's so obvious, it doesn't hurt to put disclaimers, but the fact that there aren't a lot of disclaimers makes me wonder the intentions of, of some of these people. And honestly, this, this response I saw made me the most upset because it simultaneously downplays the importance of good criticism to the consumer and tries to just wipe away any kind of indiscretion with, well, everyone knows the system is rotten. Right? It's not arguing against the rottenness of the system. It's saying, well, it is that way and everyone knows it, so whatever. Well, I'm saying we should fix it. I'm saying this should not be the standard for board game reviewers and that we should put pressure on people to you know to put disclaimers up and to show that they aren't taking monetary payment for reviews. So what's my solution here? What do I think the ideal situation is? I think there are three main things that need to happen for any given reviewer. First that we need to clearly bifurcate and make distinct the difference between reviews and then previews, how to play unboxing, etc., etc. And I think we need to do this not only with how we present the reviews or the previews, but just with our language, right? If something is a critical piece, it needs to be called something different than when you're just doing an overview of the game. We need to make these things distinct, because again, one in, in one situation, the interest of the publisher and the consumer are aligned. The publisher and the consumer both want to see what the game is like very clearly. They both want to communicate the rules correctly. They both want, you know, to look at the game and go, "Oh wow, look at that great artwork." But the interests are not necessarily aligned when you're talking about a review. And the reviewer themselves are in the middle of that, and basically they need to decide which way they want their their money coming from. Do they want to align themselves with the people they say that they're helping with their reviews, or do they want to take money from the publishers? So I I think the first step is clearly distinguishing between those two types of content. The second part of the solution, I think, is that we need to be extremely above board in the kind of disclaimers Uh, That we present and I know for me for the thoughtful gamer. I want to be as clear as possible Uh, So I've set the standard for myself that if I get a review copy from a publisher or designer I will put a disclaimer in the review about that. I think I've gotten one review copy so far I think I put it right at the end If I ever do like a paid preview I will call it a paid preview or put a very clear disclaimer that this is a paid preview Um, So even in situations where there's not really scandal in terms of the interest, I want to be very clear about what kind of content I'm doing and where money has changed hands. And I think that's a good standard to hold. The third thing is that we need to have a consistency in the language for criticism. So we need to be consistent not only in how we present these things, but in the language we use. And I think it'd be great if what we call a review is a piece of criticism, and then any overview or something is called a preview or an overview, right? We need to have some kind of language that says, okay, this is an impartial piece of criticism, and then this other thing that's called something different is a preview or an overview. Just for clarity's sake, just to help the consumer here. Because a lot of what I saw in this, in this, Facebook comment thread and in other places on Twitter where people are discussing this is that people use the word review for all sorts of things, for the entire gamut of, of previews and how to play and everything. Cause it's reviewing the game. Okay, fine. I don't care what it's called. I think it's easy because like a movie review is a movie review. Um, and then like a spoiler discussion is something like review is used for this purpose in other media. So I think it'd be great if it was retained for board games, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. We could call it criticism, we could call it something else, I don't know. But there needs to be some kind of delineation and consistency in the language that we're using so that people know when there's an actual piece of impartial criticism and when you're doing basically a bit of advertising for the publisher. Those are the three steps for the solution I think that need to happen, I'm certainly welcome for more ideas on how to do this. And I hope that you, as people who listen to The Thoughtful Gamer, hold me to this high standard. I don't want to dip below this. I think it's incredibly important and I think we should put some social pressure in the board game community for this kind of thing to be the standard. We need to make it very clear what is impartial and what is not when it comes to reviews. And we need to try to stamp out through just basic social pressure and changing who we listen to and who we watch. Uh, we need to stamp out this pay for review model as soon as possible become, before it becomes more rampant. We need to make sure reviewers are independent and impartial. And I'm saying right now, I will I'll, I will do my best to always be that way. If I will never take money for for a review from uh, the creator of the game, I'm fine, again, taking money. I'll, I intend to do a Patreon at some point in the future, but that's getting money from the people who listen and who read uh, what I say and write. Another thing that I think uh, isn't necessarily a standard that needs to be held to everyone, but if if a publisher wants to send a review copy to me, I will tell them I'm going to review this game, good or bad, And it's going to be published. I'm not going to send it back to them and say, I didn't like it that much, but I didn't want to hurt your feelings with the review. I'm going to review it. If I agree to review it, it's going to be reviewed and it's going to be my opinion. I'm not going to change the way I do things just because I didn't like like the way it is. And I'm going to make sure they know that before they send me a review copy. I want to be, if anything, I want to be known as someone who does board game criticism with integrity and with avoiding these issues of conflict of interest, I don't care as much if I get big or popular or whatever. I want to be known as that, if anything. That's my stand. And I think as part of the board game community, we need to, again, put social pressure on other people who may not be doing this to hold good standards and make sure we keep our reviews impartial. I think that's everything I had to say about it. Again, there's there's some nuance in the argumentation here. I hope you listen to this carefully uh of what I'm saying and why I'm saying it. I don't again, I don't know anyone necessarily who is doing this. I just know that some people are doing this uh taking money for reviews and I want to make sure that people are aware of this. And if they feel the same way that I do, I hope they through their social influence of not listening to those people anymore or watching those people anymore that it will influence the reviewers to rethink what they're doing on the same lines if you do have a reviewer uh who you watch a lot or listen to a lot or think are really great right you can put the positive social pressure of pitching in you know a buck a month through the patreon or whatever we need to make sure that we are putting the pressure on because apparently you know, this kind of thing is happening behind the scenes and I want to see it stopped. Um, I really think it does harm to the hobby, and I hope this podcast has convinced you why. Sorry I got kind of worked up about it. I guess by internet standards, I didn't get that worked up. But for my standards, I did get worked up. Plus, again, for some reason, the days I record podcasts, it's like the hottest day of the month here in Boston. And all the fans are turned off, so I'm just dripping with sweat now. I'm going to go take a shower. I hope you enjoyed uh, this podcast and it gave you something to think about. Please don't forget to follow me on Twitter or Facebook. Check out thethoughtfulgamer.com for my reviews and rate and review this podcast on iTunes. I'll talk to you again next time. Goodbye.